that I never feel alone again They've always been so kind But now they brought you away Welcome back to Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com I am your host, Jeremy Brand, as always Very excited Look at this, two weeks in a row And this show has me off my feet Because we are joined once again by my former co-host Ian Bain from MMAopinion.co.uk Can't wait to chat with him We're going to be talking to him about um, The upcoming fight card this weekend UFC on Fox 12 uh, Conor McGregor, obviously, which went down last week at his fight, UFC Fight Night 46. Um, some other ongoing stuff with uh, within the UFC and MMA, and as well as what's going on with his site, MMAopinion.co.uk. So I'll chat with him in a few minutes. Also, I have a very cool guest on the show, um, Daniel Swain. You may not know who he is, you may not know the name, but you will very soon because this kid took the co-main event slot at RFA this Friday night, meaning tomorrow, if you're listening to this show on Thursday, on very short notice, just over one week's notice, this kid took a fight against Jared Mercado, who is a very talented fighter in his own right. So uh, we'll chat with Daniel. I know him pretty well. He used to live up here in Vancouver uh, and trained with West Coast Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu but now he's training with Trevor Prangley's AKA down in uh, Spokane, Washington, I believe, and uh, getting his training done right. So he's doing well. He's got the co-main event slot. We all know that RFA is is a feeder league for the UFC kind of thing. So if if he does well on this stage, then it's going to be awesome for him. Um, some news that went down this week before we get into Ian and, and the talk of UFC on Fox 12 and stuff. Uh, yesterday, Chael Sonnen was uh, was in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He got his suspension handed down. What did he get? He got two years, and he's going to have to work for the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Very, very interesting um, how that happens. The guy's retired from the sport of mixed martial arts, yet he's going to, uh, you know, he's suspended for two years big deal (laughs) um also vitor belfort granted a temporary license with the nevada state athletic commission and he will be fighting chris weidman for the middleweight championship at ufc 181 i believe that's in december which is pretty cool this this december card is going to be stacked if it goes the way that people are saying it's going to go especially the way dana white saying it's going to go um, this news came down while I was chatting with Ian, so, uh, we'll, uh, talk to him about that. Uh, also, one other thing that went down this week, we've got the announcement of Daniel Cormier replacing Alexander Gustafson to fight John Jones in the UFC 178 main event. My goodness. Cormier gets his wish. He wanted to fight the champ. He thinks he has what it takes. Him and Jones have been bantering back and forth via Twitter everywhere that they can. They've been talking to each other. And now they both finally have the chance to shut each other up. Going to be fun. Um, That's about it for the news. That's about it for me. Let's get right into my first guest, Ian Bain, right now. 
He is the man behind one of the largest mixed martial arts sites in the UK. Please welcome MMA Opinions head honcho Ian Bain back to Sucker Radio. It's nice to be back with you, Jeremy. Long time no speak. No kidding. Now, Ian, buddy, it's as I said, it's been a while and definitely a pleasure to have you back on the show. Just explain to our listeners what's new with MMA Opinion and, and obviously yourself in general. Yeah, um, well, it's been a bit of a, a weird last couple of six months because I've been training to be a, a teacher on the side of the whole MMA opinion thing. But uh, yeah, everything's just been ticking along quite nicely. We're starting to to make some more inroads into covering more UK and European-based MMA. Obviously, with a lot of our staff being over in this area, it may, makes sense for us to branch out into that and um, yeah, so I'm I'm starting to get into my cage warriors and and bammer again that um, the UFC seem to overtake. But I, I'm sure we're probably going to talk about this. But there are far too many UFC events for me to be excited about. So it's nice to be able to mix it up with some of our promotions. No kidding. And and before we get into anything else, just announced literally like maybe half an hour ago on Wednesday. Chris Weidman will defend his uh, middleweight championship against Vitor Belfort at UFC 181 in December. Thoughts on this? Are you surprised that Belfort got granted a license in Nevada? Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, anybody with any kind of knowledge of the UFC knows that Lorenzo Fatita's favorite MMA fighter has always been Vitor Belfort. Uh, he used to be on the Nevada license, and so I think... They kind of knew they would get the fight done um, at some point. What I'm finding more interesting is, obviously, that December 6th card, already we know that Anthony Pettis Melendez is going to be on there, but Dana White was also hinting that Ronda and Gina Carano could go down then, so I don't know where they're going to put all these title fights in December. No kidding, and as we said, oversaturation already. Why would they throw three titles on one fight card? Yeah, I mean, that that might make me think that the Ronda-Gina deal hasn't come off yet. And I know the UFC obviously usually have a, a year-end event at the end of December, but that's been moved to January 3rd. So maybe Dana's just got his wires crossed and, and Ronda goes down on, on that 3rd, 3rd of January event. But either way, that, de- that December, just for them, title fights being revealed, you know, including that Belfort-Wyden one, is going to be spectacular. But... Uh, yeah, it's it's a strange one. I think the whole handling of the Vito Belfort situation has been very strange. <laughs> For sure. Now, over the past few months, there have been some pretty awesome performances in the Octagon. There's also been some very lackluster pay-per-view cards. What have been some moments that that stick out for you over the past few months? Uh, the, well, the Chris Weidman, Leona Machida fight was, was one of the, the best fights of the year for me. Um, not just because of uh, who... Who was in it? Because obviously it's two elite level fighters, but the the fight itself seemed to change balance through the fight, and I think that's what you're looking for now in a champion. There's too many champions, you know, like your Demetrius Johnsons and Ronda Rousey, um, who are just too dominant um, over their opponents. Um, I'd also throw in out. I'm still trying to get over the fact that T.J. Dillashaw beat Hannon Barrow. I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think nobody saw that coming. Um, um, as for something that hasn't really impressed me, uh, I'm going to stick to the the same the same line that I was saying. I think the last time I spoke to you, how on earth is Soa Paleli in the UFC, <laughs> and how is he winning fights? I mean, I know he just lost to Jared Rochel, which was an awful fight, but I, I just don't know. And um, 
You know, last time I was very critical of, of Nikita Krylov, but fair play to him, he won at the weekend, so I, I can't really criticise him at, at this precise moment, at least. You spoke about TJ Dillashaw, that being a, a highly upset fight against Henan Brow. Do you see him doing it again this second time? See, I, I'm finding this fight very hard to break down. And you're um, a huge Henan Burrell fan, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of um, not just Burrell. I'm a big fan of that whole training camp. I think they produce some some very well rounded fighters. But um, I think definitely that in that first fight, the the punch in the first round by Dillashaw that that dropped Burrell obviously changed the fight massively. But you know what is going to stop Dillashaw from doing that again? Is Burrell going to be a bit more active because? Um, he kind of stood off a little bit, tried to have a feeling out process, but Dillashaw didn't let him settle. So I'm leaning towards picking Dillashaw because I think it's hard not to after that performance. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Burrow comes back and does something spectacular. Yeah. Well, last week we had two fight cards, which was capped off by an amazing performance by Conor McGregor in front of his hometown of Dublin. It was just announced this week that McGregor would be taking on Dustin Poirier at UFC 178 in September. Do you really think that this kid is at that level, the top 10 level of fighting a guy like Dustin Poirier just yet? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I, I saw Connor before he, he came to the UFC in Cage Warriors and obviously fought you know, at 145 and 155. And I always thought that there was something about him. I, I didn't expect this whole um, personality change where you know, he's pretty much calling out everybody and He's turned a little bit into a, a child's son and an effect for the division. But I think, I don't think he's going to become the world champion. I don't think he would beat some of the, the top two or three guys, you know, your Frankie Edgars, your Chad Mendes, because I think the wrestling will, will cause him problems there. But, you know, the, the back end of the division, the, the likes of Dustin Poirier, I think he can beat because, you know, a lot of people are, are criticizing Connor saying he hasn't beat any top 10 guys. But if you look at Poirier's, you know, resume, he hasn't really beat anyone. That I would say, um, I don't think Connor would have beaten them. You know, Eric Cook, he's kind of dropped off the radar. You know, Poirier was rocked by Akira Khorasani. So, what's to say that Connor can't go in there and, and, and do that to, to Poirier and finish him? You know, the one thing that makes this fight exciting is the two fighters. And Poirier is an exciting fighter. I think he's ranked a little bit high for six. I mean, I think he is ranked correctly, but I don't think he's the sixth best featherweight. I think. Um, the division still sorting itself out after that top five. Do you think that that wrestling is is the the downfall for Conor McGregor? Um, well, who knows? I mean, we haven't really seen him against anybody of an elite wrestling background. I mean, his two losses in Cage Warriors obviously were submissions, but since he teamed up with John Kavanaugh, it's, his submission game and especially his top game and grappling's become a lot better. So. Um, I, I just don't know if he's got enough about him to stop, say, you know, like a Chad Mendes grinding him up and, and taking him down or, or, or the movement and wrestling of a Frank Edgar. So um, time will tell. But I think Poirier is the perfect step up. Um, and if he gets past Poirier, I would expect him to be in a number one contender fight. All right. Let's move to this weekend. We have UFC on Fox 12 in San Jose. What a four fight main card we have on our hands. Let's just go over the card starting with the prelims, though. Um <laughs> For me, honestly, the only name that sticks out on the fight pass portion of the prelims is Steven Seiler. I'm not sure about you, but is there anyone else that we should be looking out for that you know of? Yes, definitely, and it, it should be that strawweight fight. Um, 
I'm not going to try and butcher her name, but Joanna, the, the <laughs> Polish, uh, the Polish fighter, she recently fought on the Cage Warriors card um, against Rosie Sexton and, and knocked Rosie out. Um, so she's very heavy-handed. She's got really good boxing. And, uh, I'm surprised that the UFC didn't try and line her up a bit quick, quicker to get her on the Ultimate Fighter because I think um, she's definitely one of the best 16 strawweights in the world. Um, so it's good that the UFC have on that contract. I haven't really seen much of her opponent, Juliana Lima, so I don't know if she's equally as heralded by other places. But definitely watch out for Joanna because I think she's probably going to be somebody to watch out for in that division. Do you like that the UFC is bringing in these strawweight fights before they've uh, featured them on The Ultimate Fighter? Uh, it's it's tough one, isn't it? I mean... Obviously, the whole situation with um, Claudia Gadea, who fought last week, um, not being able to consistently make weight close to, to what would be needed for the Ultimate Fighter. So it would have left her on the bench um, for a while. So I don't know. I, I, I think I would have liked the Ultimate Fighter to play out and then maybe have some of these other women on that card, you know, like the, the finale card, like a prelim fight or something like that. Um, but... The good way, the the one good thing about this is it gives them a chance to build up some contenders for that first champion. For sure. Now let's move up to the Fox preliminary card, which I might add is actually on the big Fox network and not Fox Sports One. There are four fights that guarantee action. I'm really looking forward to seeing how uh, Pat Cummins does against the top-notch fighter like Kyle Kingsbury. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I, I, I'm a bit. Um on the fence about this fight because obviously the the media and fans have tended to to fall in love a little bit with Pat Cummins for that whole Daniel Cormier taking it on a week's notice and um, I wasn't impressed in his last performance with the one that he won I, I thought that um, his wrestling would have been better than it was um, Kingsbury obviously though with this time off you just don't know has he made any improvements while he's been out or has he been sitting around with his uh, beautiful girlfriend Natasha Wicks, and just you know having the the simple life that he that he was craving while trying to be a fireman. So I've got a funny feeling this fight's going to be very ugly, but it's very hard not to lean towards uh, Pat Cummins taking the victory there. Yeah, I think his. I mean, as you said, his wrestling wasn't showcased at all, but we could see him him break that out against Kyle Kingsbury, and and him on his back isn't necessarily a pretty thing. No, no, and and that's what we've got to watch out for because, I mean, let's be honest, Kyle isn't a bad fighter, but he's still got a lot of shortcomings. And I think, um, I know he considered retirement very, very seriously, but I think taking that time off, especially at his stage of development in MMA, cannot be a good thing for him because um, the light heavyweight division just keeps on going. Definitely it does. Now, Darren Crookshank is up next on the card. He's become an absolute head kick assassin inside the octagon. Do you think he can take out someone like Jorge Masvidal? Oh, I'm, I'm excited for this fight. I think this is a really well matched up. Um, Crookshank's getting better. I have to admit, I, I thought that Eric Koch would have beat Darren. Um, but he looked fantastic in that fight. Really good counter-striking. But Masvidal has one of the best chin, uh, chins in MMA. So... It's it's going to be interesting. I think I'd have to lean towards Masvidal because I think he um, is the better, more rounded fighter out of the two. But with Krukshank's crazy striking, you just can't count out a guy like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, it's going to be a fun fight, that's for sure, as you said. Moving up 
to the featured main card, we've got a huge lightweight battle between Bobby Green and Josh Thompson. Green took this fight on short notice, but has been a killer who's on a seven-fight winning streak. I, I, I see Green sort of being a problem for Thompson in this fight. Uh, what are your thoughts? I love this fight, especially for one that's um, so short notice. I mean, I was really looking forward to, to Josh Thompson, Michael Johnson, but I think um, this isn't even an, an improvement on that fight. And I like Michael Johnson, but I think Bobby Green is something special. Um, as for this fight being tough, I mean, I think Josh Thompson's underrated as well. I think um, I thought he beat Benson Henderson. Uh, I thought that he, he should have been the one possibly even chasing the, the next title fight between Melendez Pettis. So this is going to be interesting to see how his mentality is in this. Um, Bobby Green, interesting and boxing stance, you know, with his hands down. But Josh Thompson proved against Nick Diaz, uh, Nick Diaz, sorry, Nate Diaz, that he can crack. So I'm I'm leaning towards Josh Thompson just because um, he's not taking this fight on, on short notice. He's had a good training camp, I, I believe. I mean, I've hit... Heard reports out there that he's in phenomenal shape. Um, so I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Josh Thompson. But what about you, Jeremy? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays. I think the mentality game could be an issue for Bobby Green in this one because he has gone through some serious family and personal issues in his life over the past month or so. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens there. But I don't know. I, I think this one's sort of a toss of the coin. I do agree with you that I think Thompson... Thompson won that fight against Melendez. So it's ever so close for me. I know a lot of people were were complaining when Bobby Green was the guy to take this fight. But I think this is a perfect step up for him to to prove whether he's that top caliber guy or not. Yeah. I mean, you know, even if he doesn't win this fight, this is a perfect chance to see where he is at. Um, You know, Josh Thompson's a, a tough fight for anybody in that division. And if he can put up some kind of good showing it. I kind of see it a bit like the the recent fight between uh, Alex Casiras and, and Uriah Faber. Casiras uh, lasted a lot longer than people thought did really well, and I think people gave him credit for that, you know, suggesting that, you know, there's something about Casiras. I think this could be exactly that same effect for Bobby Green moving forward. Another guy who's on a very quiet winning streak is Dennis Bermudez. He's taking on Clay Guida in, a fe- in the featherweight division, which should be a great clash. Who's your pick for this 145-pound matchup? Oh, this is, again, this is another one, and this is excellent matchmaking as well. I'm, I'm leaning towards Dennis Bermudez. I think he's a, a lot quicker. I think he's got um, better wrestling. I think his takedowns are, are really good. I've been impressed watching that. Um, but uh, somebody said this to me on Twitter when talking about this fight, and I couldn't agree with them. More than that, you could lean towards Dennis Bermudez, but Dennis Bermudez always has one crazy moment in a fight. Yeah. Um, if, if Clay Guida can take advantage of that, then it, it turns that fight completely upside down. So um, I, I like Bermudez. I thought Bermudez lost to Max Holloway. Um, so I think, you know, Clay Guida does possess some problems. And this is a guy who, um, you know, has beat some good guys at 155, never mind 145 with his wrestling. So. I'm leaning towards Bermudez, probably by decision. I can't really see this fight being finished. Um, so if, if, if you're listening to this and you're a betting guy, I'd take that over line. Yeah, I, I, I like Bermudez in this fight as well. I think the only problem that could come into play is Clay Guida has that sort of, you know, Leonard Garcia factor where he's coming forward, throwing punches, not necessarily landing, yeah. and the judges seem to like that. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's one thing that people always overlook in terms of you could pick a fight comfortably um, in terms of who you think should win. But when you've got guys like Clay Guida, and we've saw with Diego Sanchez, you know, especially in that Ross Pearson fight, if you're the guy coming forward, sometimes the judges score that a lot higher than the person who is landing, you know, the better counter-strike. Yeah, for sure. Now, the co-main event, we got Rumble Johnson. He said that he wants a title shot with a victory over Little Nog. Do you think he deserves it? Um, not ahead of Daniel Cormier, I don't. Um, I think you could make the argument, though, that he, he deserves to be up there. I mean, you know, Phil Davis was a big win for him. Um, the UFC rankings obviously dropped out Little Nog for his inactivity, but if, if the rankings had stayed, you know, Hegerio is probably ranked in that top five following that Rashad Emmons win. So it's, a, it's another big-named win for him. So I would expect that he will probably get another fight before he gets a title fight if he wins this weekend. Um, I don't know who that could be against. I mean, I, I like the idea of him fighting Glover Texera or um, I know it's his teammate. I think him and Rashad Evans would have been a good fight, but I, I don't think they'll fight each other. So, um, But again, a lot of people overlooking Hogerio Nogueira. This guy is a very, very good boxer. He can throw down with the best of them. Um, you know, he shut Rashad Evans completely off. I mean, a lot of people look at that fight and go, oh, that was a, a terrible fight. But partly that reason was because Nogueira pretty much, you know, got rid of any offensive game that Rashad Evans had by using good boxing. Um, the obviously the again, as we've talked about with some of the other fighters earlier on this card, the layoff with Nogueira worries me. How how is he doing? I mean, he's had a back injury. Um, he's consistently pulled out of fights, so I'm a bit worried about that. But I'm going to put my neck on the line here. I'm going to lean towards picking Nogueira by decision. Nice, nice. Now, the main event, obviously, is what everyone is talking about, and for good reason. Two guys that are going to be looking to take the other's head off. Matt Brown against Robbie Lawler has all the tools to take fight of the year. Heck, he could even take knockout of the year. Who do you see winning this and how? I'm really excited for this fight, but I want to warn people, I think this is going to be pretty one-sided. I think uh, I think Robbie Lawler has a terrible matchup for Matt Brown. Because you're kind of getting Matt Brown versus Matt Brown, but with more power and with much better takedown defense. Um, I think Matt Brown's really impressed me. I was very much against Matt Brown at the beginning of his win streak. I thought he was very overrated. But he's picked up some solid wins, you know, stopping Mike Pyle, Eric Silva, people like that. But I think there's a, even then there's a big jump between Eric Silva striking, uh, Jordan Mean striking, and, and then looking at somebody like Robbie Lawler, I mean, we saw Matt get, get dropped by a body shot by Eric Silva. He got dropped by a body shot by Jordan Mean. I think Robbie Lawler is probably going to go to town on Matt and, and probably be the first person to, to knock Matt Brown out. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I was going to say the exact same thing, that Eric Silva dropping Matt Brown just shows you that that he can be dropped and Robbie Lawler's power is that much more than Eric Silva's. Yeah, and I'm, the the thing with Robbie Lawler, I am really, really happy at how well he's um, come on since dropping back down to 170 pounds. I think if you look at the 170 pound division, I wouldn't have said that he would be the guy that's probably the biggest threat to Hendricks on paper a year ago. Um, I know that's you know a little crazy to suggest, but Robbie Lawler had problems with his wrestling and his grappling, but. Since he's come back to the UFC, you know, Koscheck couldn't hold him down. Rory McDonald couldn't hold him down. 
Johnny Hendricks basically had to wait until he was exhausted in the fifth round to hold him down. So I think to beat Robbie Lola, you need to be a much more effective striker. All right, Ian. I mean, we could talk forever. It's been uh, something like 20 minutes already that we've had this conversation. The event is over. The card is over. We're through it. It's been a pleasure as always. Anything else you want to get off your chest while here on Suck Radio, though? Yeah, just one more thing. Um, just wanted to say to you, congratulations on, on the success of MMA Sucker and keep up the good work with the podcast. Thanks a lot, Ian. Hope to talk to you soon. And thanks again for joining me today, buddy. No problem anytime. Super excited. Awesome, as always, to have Ian Bain back on Sucker Radio. We're going to bring him back on, you know, various times throughout Sucker Radio's tenure because this guy knows MMA, he knows everything about it, and we just like having him on. Now, I said Daniel Swain would be up next, but we have Justin Pirro's Unpopular Opinions, which it's now called, um, where he rants and raves about everything going on that went on this past week in mixed martial arts. So with that, here is Justin Pirro. Hello again, everyone. It's Justin Pirro here on Sucker Radio, bringing you more unpopular opinions. First off, everybody was pretty stoked, those of us who have Fight Pass anyways, about UFC Dublin. You know, great fight. there were some great fights there, but one of the big complaints that I've seen and that I have is how some of the media there behaved. Not your SB Nation guys, not your uh, MMA junkie guys, but the local Irish media. Look, you can't go cheering and getting drunk in press row. You shouldn't be drinking in press row. I'm sorry, but there are people like our site, like MMASucka.com, who would kill to be able to get press credentials. I wasn't able to get them for UFC 174. Jeremy was only able to get them for his work with the great local website VanCityBuzz.com, which you should check out, by the way. I had to get tickets won from a radio station contest, and you know, big thanks to Fox for that. But, you know, how? Well, I don't understand why anybody would screw things up and go in complete contravention of the UFC's own media policy by hooting and hollering, supporting their local fighters, and drinking on the job when they're there to cover the event. I'm sorry, but Dave Scholler, anybody else with the UFC press crew, next time you guys come to Vancouver, if you give me a press pass, I am willing to do piss tests and breathalyzers before and after the event just to prove that I am taking this 100% seriously. MMA Sucker is not quite big enough to score those uh, media passes, and we hope that you will share our articles and help your friends to come so we can get to that stage, so we can bring you even more coverage. But yeah, you, you understand how irritated that can make people at sites like ours. Ah. <sighs> The other thing that's uh, really bugging me today is people talking about, oh, well, the fights on free TV are so good. Why do I have to get a UFC pay-per-view? Well, enjoy it while you can. There could come a time where the only time you see the Donald Cerrone's of the world fight is on pay-per-view. Because let's be honest, you say you would tune in to watch him on free TV, He's pretty much guaranteed to put on a good fight. Hence, he's going to be on pay-per-view. That kid is going to be a draw. Well, he's not really a kid, but you get what I'm saying. 
free fights on TV are there to help build fighters into stars so that you will spend your pay-per-view dollars on them. So, yeah, get ready to spend money to see Donald Cerrone next time. And finally, going back to UFC Dublin, what is the ceiling on Gunnar Nelson? He really did a great job in his in choking out Zach Cummings, but he certainly showed a frustrating, at least from a fan's perspective, striking style. He's very much like Machida on Xanax. You know, he's just very calm, very chill, very relaxed. He might throw a punch every 30 seconds, but that's not going to cut it as he rises up in the UFC's welterweight division. Hopefully, Henzo Gracie and the guys at Team Straight Blast Gym in Ireland will be able to bring out the same killer instinct he has in his grappling in his striking. If he does, then the sky's the limit. All right, I'm going to hand this back to Jeremy now. Stay tuned next week for more Unpopular Opinions. Thanks to Justin for that. Look for Unpopular Opinions next week on uh, next edition of Sucker Radio. And moving forward, we'll be chatting with Daniel Swain right now. He has stepped in as a last-minute replacement in the RFA co-main event this Friday night against Jared Mercado. Please welcome Daniel Swain to Sucker Radio. Daniel, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Now, let's get right down to the dirty. Um, You took a fight against a guy who has looked like a beast lately on just over a week's notice. What was the thought process when you found out the fight was available for you? Uh, really, it was uh, I was excited. Uh, I got the offer, and I looked him up real quick online, watched a video of his last fight, and I was like, "Yeah, this is a fight I can win." Um, I'm in the middle. I was in the middle of a camp, anyways, for uh, August 14th, King of the Cage. So I'm in shape. I'm ready to go. Um, you know, so it was it was a no brainer for me to take it. I've uh. You know, opportunity knocks few and far between, so to get a shot on RFA for a title contender fight, I'm pretty stoked about it. In the past, I mean, you were known to take too many fights too close together, you know, just because you were a guy that wanted to fight. Did this come into your head at all when, when saying yes to a bout against Mercado, or was it just simply, yes, I'm taking this fight because it's RFA? It was more of a, you know, I, it's, I'm, I'm older now, so I, I look at it a little differently than I did when I first started out fighting. So I, I really take into account things. I talk to my coaches and stuff and make sure they're okay with the fight as well. So uh, it was a little bit of deliberation, but it ultimately is I'm ready to fight, I'm in good shape, and I, I think I can beat this guy. Now we all know that RFA, obviously, Resurrection Fighting Alliance, is known as a feeder league to the UFC. In fact, Ed Soares, their president, has personally said that to me himself that he doesn't mind being called the feeder league did they did this make the decision that much easier oh yeah absolutely it made it a lot easier to know that this is one of the main feeder leagues for the ufc um you know there's there's going to be guys there scouts for the ufc and um so i'm i'm excited to showcase what i got and uh make those guys know who i am I heard in an interview that you did, uh, I guess earlier this week, that that you said Sean Shelby would be in attendance at this fight, or Joe Silva, one of the two. Um, does this make does does that make anything? Uh, does that put more pressure on your shoulders to showcase even more of your skills? Um, no, it's it's not. I don't I don't have a ton of pressure coming in this fight. I, you know, I'm one and one in my last two fights. 
I'm, I'm, going, I'm coming out here to fight to have fun. This is what I do for a living, and I love doing it for a living. So, you know, it's all about having fun, um, and that's, that's why I do it. So I'm just I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to go out there, I'm going to mix it up, and I'm going to be the best getting on flame that I can be. Nice. Now, on to your opponent, Jared Mercado. He's known for his wrestling, as are you. In such a short-notice fight, you I mean, you, you obviously can't come up with a huge game plan for a guy because there's such little time. So are you more than likely uh, just going to stick to your bread and butter? Uh, you know, I'm, I've am i been working a lot of stuff. I'm coming off an injury, so uh, I had a lot of downtime to work on things. Uh, I've been working my striking a ton. My jiu-jitsu's getting really good as well. I just became a purple belt under Trevor Prangley. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I'm able to mix it up everywhere. I think I'm a better, well-rounded fighter than he is, and I feel like I'm I'm going to be better than him in every aspect of the fight. And obviously cardio isn't a factor for this guy because uh... – He's only gone. He's gone to the judges' scorecards on seven of his eleven victories. So it doesn't seem like he's a flashy guy. It seems like he's going to use his wrestling and lay and pray. Uh, for you, do you think it would be better to finish this guy early? Uh, well, you know me. I I like to finish guys, so I don't care if it's in the first round or third round. I can go all three if I need to. Um, I'd rather finish him early and get you know an easy payday. But if it doesn't go that way, I'm okay with that too. I'm ready for a war. Now, you have to travel to elevation for this fight in Broomfield, Broomfield, Colorado, whereas Mercado is from that state. Do you think, uh, how's the elevation, you just got there this evening, I believe, on Wednesday night. How's the elevation going to treat you? Um, you know, that's, uh, it's something I couldn't really prepare for because it was short notice, so we're just going to have to figure it out. I'm going to make sure I do a test run tomorrow. I'm going to run a couple miles, see how I feel and see how it's treating me. Uh, but really, it's just, you know, it's something I, I couldn't prepare for. So if it is a factor, you know, I'm just going to have to roll with it. I, I'm I'm really mentally tough, and I'll be able to handle anything. So, uh, you know, I'm just excited to get in there and mix it up. You uh, have fought on Access TV before. Does the lights and the spectacle play into anything? It, it definitely did the first time, um, you know, but I, I'm I'm a different fighter now. That that fight taught me a lot about myself, and it it really told me to get back to having the fun when I'm in the cage instead of putting so much pressure on my shoulders, like I was saying earlier. So I'm I'm really just gonna go out here, and have fun, and you know do what I love to do. For sure. Now, um, visualization. Obviously, you said you watched one of his fights before agreeing to this contract. Um, what do you see from Jared Mercado that that you could exploit uh, in his game? I mean, did you only watch the one fight, or have you checked out others of his since? I've checked out others of his since, and there's definitely some holes in his game that I'm looking to uh, to open up and take advantage of. Uh, I don't really want to give too much away because, in case he listens to this before the fight, I don't want him to switch things up on me. So, but there are definitely some things, and uh, look for some tricky stuff from me striking-wise and jiu-jitsu-wise for me to sneak in there. Nice. Now, you said that you were already in a camp for King of the Cage. Just uh, So that means you, you had a fight lined up, and there possibly is a fight still lined up for after this one. Just explain that to me. Yeah, um, so pending uh, no injuries and stuff and no suspension, I'm going to be fighting August 14th for King of the Cage in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, at the Coeur d'Alene Casino. Um, I'm gonna be fighting a Bellator vet, Lloyd Woodard, who's gonna be making his 145 debut. Um, you know, it's a tough fight for sure. Um, I'm excited for it. I know he's really good in the dirty boxing, and he's a he's a grinder, and he he can uh, go the distance if he needs to. 
I just don't feel like he's uh, to my level of wrestling or jiu-jitsu, so I'm going to try and take advantage of it there. Now, finally, you've been with uh, Trevor Prangley's AKA for about two years now. You said you've grown as a fighter and a person. What do you see as your biggest growth as a fighter since making the move to that camp? As a fighter, I've, I've tightened up my game a ton since working with Trevor and the guys at Trevor Prangley's AKA, like Will Nolan and Richie Whitson. Uh, my striking's gotten 10 times better than it was before I came here, and my jiu-jitsu's reached another level. Before I came to Trevor's gym, I wasn't really training jiu-jitsu. I didn't really take it that serious being a wrestler. Uh, coming into Trevor's gym and getting subbed by him and everybody else, I was like, all right, got to step this up. So my jiu-jitsu's grown a ton as well. So, you know, it's just made me a better, well-rounded fighter. Sounds like your spoken game has gotten a lot better, too. The interviews have come a long way, Mr. Swain. Well, thank you. I've uh, worked on him. <laughs> he is Daniel Swain. He'll be taking on Jared Mercado in the co-main event at RFA this Friday night live on Access TV. Daniel, good luck, and thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always great to talk to you guys at MMA Sucker. He is Daniel Swain. Thank you very much for joining me. Good luck to him at the RFA 12 co-main event, as we said, stepping in on short notice, but this kid was training already, so... Hopefully he picks up the victory. Hopefully he gets in the eyes of whoever needs to see him for him to get that shot inside the octagon. Uh, that's about it for this episode of Sucker Radio. I'd like to thank my guests, Ian Bain from MMAopinion.co.uk. Check them out. Like their Facebook page. I mean, you don't need to because they already have thousands and thousands, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000 fans on their Facebook page. But yeah, like them anyway. Um, Also, thanks to Daniel Swain for joining me. He had a very hectic day on the day that he joined me uh, to chat. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate having him on and good luck as we said. Um, That's about it. As I said, check out Sucker Radio anywhere you can hear podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, obviously MMASucker.com. And uh, we'll hit you on the flip side next week. The fiercest. This is the super fight right here. Most anticipated. War in the octagon. In what could be the fight of the year. UFC Fight Night, July 26th on Fox.